Well, I titled my sermon today, The Wonder of Wrapping Paper. Uh, The Wonder of Wrapping Paper. And I was just struck as I was staring at my Christmas tree there at home uh, about this whole thing we do. Wrapping paper. Have you ever thought how futile this this effort is? You know, you know how hard it is to wrap all these things. My goodness, my wife can't stand wrapping presents, and I'm with her on it. And thankfully, we've got kids who know how to wrap presents. They they help us out. But you work and you work and you get it all buttoned up, and then how fast does it just shred into a pile on the floor? You know, the dog's going crazy, shredding it everywhere, and then the next thought is. Man, when is garbage day? What are we going to do with all this wrapping paper? But every year we do it, don't we? There's something that happens when we wrap up a present. We buy it and we conceal it. And then we set it up under the tree. And we we want it to be in view, but not revealed in its fullness. And so, uh, let's say a little more about this. Question to begin with on your sermon notes is, why do we wrap? Why is it that we wrap our presents and put them under the tree? I think the answer is this word. This is my emphasis today. This is the theme, anticipation. It's one thing to give a gift to somebody. It's something all the more to buy something and to wrap it up and then to set it out so that they know it's, well, it's got my name on it. It's for me. That's for me. And, 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 and they bought that for me. And then to wait. Our kids have been waiting for a long time. I remember when Ethan was a young guy, uh, we had hunted down the Nerf gun that he was looking at at, at Target or something. And, and we wrapped it up. We made the mistake of putting it under the tree too early. And uh, here's what he did. He got a measuring tape out and he measured the box. He got all the dimensions. Then he went online and he found which Nerf gun corresponded with the dimensions of the box that was wrapped. And he knew what we had him. The anticipation. I remember as a young man, my, uh, oh, some of my most fond memories were in, in Enterprise, uh, Oregon, Eastern Oregon. We lived in, in Enterprise and my grandparents lived in Spokane. And so they would drive down most often for Christmas. And boy, when they, when they would show up, we would wait at the window, you know, for hours if need be. That's before cell phones, right? So we're waiting, and they're, they finally pull into the driveway, and we go crazy. And we run out there, and we greet them and big hugs and everything. And then my grandpa would always do this. He would say, okay, are you guys ready to help? And he would reach down, and he would pop the trunk on that gigantic blue boat of a car. I mean, this was one of those trunks that you could get a queen-size mattress in, you know? And it would lift up. And we, with wonder and awe, would go back and look in the trunk. And it would be packed with presents, wrapped up. All kinds of fancy bows and shiny wrapping paper. My grandpa absolutely loved the the silver, like, mirror-like wrapping paper that you could see yourself in almost. And, oh, my goodness that moment. I almost remember that more than the unwrapping moment of Christmas Day. We would line up and we would haul them in one at a time. Mom, look at this one. Who's it for? Oh, I don't know. There's a tag. Put it under the tree. 
And then we finally had them all in there. Every now and then, I would squeeze it. Okay, shake it. I loved when you could hear it shake because that was most likely Legos, right? That was my thing. But here's the thing I dreaded. If you squeeze it and it's soft, you guys know what I'm talking about. That means it's closed. Or worse, it's a sweater. That happened to me one time, I'll tell you. I'm the one in the middle. I dug that picture of the thing. You could just see it in my smile. I wore that sweater once for Christmas dinner at Grandma and Grandpa's house. And after that, that was it with that one. You know what I'm talking about. There is something that happens in the concealment of a gift. And then it's revelation. In fact, uh, Maria Miller, there you are. Okay, Maria basically lifted my entire sermon before I preached it in a beautiful blog. You didn't know what I was preaching on, but now I feel like I'm taking your material. So I'm just going to quote you because you totally nailed this. This is what Maria said on her blog. She said this, anticipation is a powerful joy multiplier. Perfectly said. That's true, isn't it? When you come in in the morning and the kids get to see these presents under the tree and they wonder, what is it, right? Often we'll find our kids sitting together under the tree, shaking and looking and, oh, this is... And then when it's time to open them, they're stacking them over here. This one's for Gracie. This one's for Remy, our dog, and, and on down the line, right? There's something sacred about anticipation. This isn't just our invention. This is the echo of a God who thinks similarly. And what I want to do today is show you a little bit of how he has done this for us in connection with the Christmas story. Let's talk about Simeon. Last week we left off with Mary and Joseph going to the temple to, after 40 days, right, that was required in Leviticus 12, going to the temple to present Jesus and to finish the purification process that Mary needed to go through. And so here they are in the temple. They're about to present the redemption price for Jesus to redeem the Redeemer, as it were, the firstborn son. And, and so they're in the temple courts and here they come. And all of a sudden, Luke tells us about a man named Simeon. Let's read about how this had, uh, unfolded. Simeon's anticipation. Luke 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah, the Deliverer. Can you imagine that? A few things we learn about this man. First of all, he is a righteous man. He's walking upright. He's a God-fearing man. He's uh, worshiping appropriately and rightly. And he is a man that God has set his favor upon. His Holy Spirit is upon this man in a very unique and special way. Beyond that, we don't know much about it. He's just an ordinary guy. 
He wasn't any significant figure. We're, we're not told that he was a priest or anyone really important. He's just a regular man who loved the Lord, who honored the Lord, and upon whom the, the Holy Spirit had, had rested in a special way. He was given this promise. We also understand that he's upward in years. He's an older man. Now imagine this. Imagine if, if you knew, as you got older and older, imagine if you knew that before you died, the Lord Jesus Christ would return. Imagine if that was a promise that he gave to you. Before you pass from this earth, my son Jesus will return in glory. How would you wake up in the morning? How would you roll out of bed? Your feet would hit the floor with a purpose and a mission. Maybe today is the day. Maybe we'll hear that trumpet sound today. Maybe he's going to come today. And the older you got, the more confident you would be. I mean, it can't be much longer, Lord. These eyes can barely see. You know, these old eyes, these tired eyes. If I'm going to see him, it's going to happen soon. So every day he would roll out with a purpose and he would head to the temple and he would look. He would look. Well, one special day, his joy was made full. The joy multiplier of his anticipation was complete. And he spotted Joseph and Mary in the temple courts. And he knew. Listen to how this unfolds. Verse 27. He came in the spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. What a moment this would have been. Yeah, I joke about this. Imagine if you're, if you're the new parents, right? If, I mean, this is your firstborn child. Imagine if you're married and some old guy in the temple just grabs your kid and starts talking. I mean, you're like, hey, hold on, buddy. I don't know who you think you are, but, the, you know. It's evident this is of God. He takes this child. His eyes see the Savior. He beholds the Savior. Hmm. What joy that was. The promise fulfilled. It's confirmed through the Holy Spirit that this indeed was the child. This is the child who would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Imagine that. Can you imagine? I mean, if it was you. You're, you're holding a 40-day-old young man in your arms who happens to be God. <laughs> that, that's, that's hard to fathom, isn't it? Put your finger down there and latches on. Maybe a little stronger than normal. I, I don't know. What, what's that like? You look into his eyes and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, he's looking right through me. That's God. In your arms. The Son of God. Now he says I can rest in peace. Now I can have peace. I can die a man at peace. Because I have seen my Savior. Hmm. 
He says three things about this amazing Christ child. He says that this baby, this this child is the salvation of the Lord. If anyone is looking for salvation, you need to look no farther than Jesus, this young child. And then he says this, and this is shocking, right? We're in the temple. This is, this is, uh, this is Israel. These are the Jews here. These are God's chosen people. And, and, and the very next words that Simeon speaks, this, this child is a light of revelation to the ends of the earth, to the Gentiles. That's good news for us today, isn't it? Most of us here, that, that's us. We're included in this blessing, this gift. And if ever there was a glory of God's chosen people, the Israelites, this is the glory. It's it's this child. This is the glory of God's people. So the call is Jew or Gentile, slave or free, rich or poor, young or old. Come worship and adore him. Your hope is here. This is the gift. And by the way, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. I think that's kind of cool. God wrapped his special gift. His father and mother marveled at what was said. I mean, they were just awestruck. And again, that that, that echo of, of Mary, she treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. Here's another moment of that. Now that... There's words that Simeon continues to speak, but I I just want to stop in the passage here and focus on how incredible it is that God would give an old man days upon days upon days of anticipation and then fulfill his joy by giving his old eyes a chance to set upon the Savior of the world before he died. Why did he do that? Well, obviously, one of the reasons is that the confirmation that Jesus, in fact, is who he said he was. Before he could even speak, the confirmation was in view. This is the Messiah. But there was something of a gift that he gave to Simeon in that exchange. And I think there's something of, a, of a, an encouragement for us in the time in which we find ourselves that we can, like Simeon, Look for this Savior. Simeon was indeed right. He he was spot on. This is the salvation of the Lord. In fact, here we are, 2,000 years later, celebrating the birth of the exact same child. The ends of the earth, friends. He was right. Hmm. Time is marked before Christ, after Christ. Right here we are. It cut it down the middle. The arrival of this child changed the course of history, eternally so. So I want to examine a few things. When we consider Christmas, I think Maria is totally right. There is a a work that we are called to, not only to look back, but also to look forward, to anticipate. And so let's consider this. I, I think it's just fascinating to to examine a bit of what we do at Christmas and ask the question, why do we do this? And and how can we take what we do and make the most of it? Well, let's begin with the fact that we have a tree. I think it's fascinating that 
rather than a manger in our, all of our homes with lights and presents around it, we have trees. What's up with that? Wouldn't it make sense that we would have mangers with straw? That's Jesus' birth. But instead, we, we have Christmas trees, and this traces back to all kinds of tradition, years uh, established, but the evergreen is a big part of that, right? The ever-giving life and light that, that Christ is. He is a source of life that, that doesn't fade in winter. He is evergreen. But the tree, even more so. The gift at Christmas is not only about the arrival of Jesus, but the mission of Jesus. To go to the tree and die. That Christmas tree points us to His mission to the meaning of his arrival, the very purpose of his, his, his coming down and, and experiencing the incarnation of, of God taking upon human flesh, centered on the tree. And so, no, it's not just tradition, friends. For believers, for those who believe Christ is truly Savior and Lord, that Christmas tree is not just what we do. It's who we adore. It points us to the gospel, right? That's a gospel-focused event. It reminds us that Jesus' arrival was more than just a, 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 a night where angels sang. It was the fulfillment of all of our anticipation of salvation and hope. I mean, just think of the, the mystery that God unwrapped in sending His Son. Think of the hundreds upon hundreds, thousands of years of Old Testament history where prophets had spoken of old. He will come. The Messiah will come. God will send the Messiah. Let me give you an example. In Micah 5.2, part of our call to worship. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, this little town of Bethlehem, you're too little to be among the clans of Judah, but from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Now think of the 90 miles between Nazareth and Bethlehem and how God sovereignly ordained that uh, uh, a census be taken that would move Joseph and Mary that 90 miles south to Bethlehem at just the right time so that Micah 5 2 would be fulfilled. God did that. He planted of old. And then it says, this ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. God the Son, eternal, incarnate now. We celebrate that Christmas story. What kind of, uh, of ruler shall he be? Well, he, he shall stand and shepherd his flock. What kind of king is on par with a shepherd? Well, David gave us a little glimpse Imperfect so, but a shepherd king. That's the kind of king he'll be. Not just mighty and strong, but close and gentle and loving and caring. He'll shepherd the flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the, of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. Uh, those who are his happy sheep, come shepherd me, Jesus. Lead me. Direct me. Rescue me. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. That's good news for the Gentiles. It's already there. It's, look at that. It's Old Testament mystery. 
and he shall be their peace. Here's the question. The wrapping paper is, well, who is it? Who is it? That's Simeon's question. Every day he woke up and his feet hit the floor. Who is it? Where is he? All of this anticipation, this wrapping paper, I can't wait to open it up. And now the mystery revealed. In Matthew chapter 1, she will bear a son, the angel told Joseph, and you shall call his name. What's his name? Here comes the wrapping paper. Jesus. The son of Mary and Joseph. For he will save his people from their sins. Boom! The wrapping paper comes off. And here he comes. And then you read further on in the New Testament as the mystery is continued to be revealed. All the fulfillment made clear. The shadow brought into reality. Jesus is the promised Son and Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish in their sins, right? In sin, previous, He will save their people from their sins, but have eternal life. What a Savior He is. His name is Jesus. So all of our Christmas is rightly centered upon the tree. It is to, to the believer a reminder of the gospel, the good news that Jesus was not only born, but that he died to save us from our sins. Secondly, we hang ornaments on the tree. I, I love this. Oh, by the way, the lights on the tree serve a purpose. They, they remind us that Jesus is, in fact, the light of the world. And that there's a reason that he has lit the gospel up for us to carry into the darkness. We carry this good news, this light. I'm going to say more about that on Thursday night. But the lights remind us of the light that he is for us in the dark and the light we are to carry. But then these ornaments. I mean, think about this. I'll show you a few of, of ours from the tree. Uh, Jeremy, 1980. I was four and uh, we were building a puzzle and I was chewing on the puzzle piece and and uh I don't know what happened but I got to choking on that puzzle piece and it was the Lord that spared me uh and so my mom sewed a, a puzzle piece to remember that it's one of the least pretty ornaments on our tree but one of the most grateful uh, uh ornaments to remind of the story listen to how God saved my life when I was but four. You go down here, here's my, my basketball. As a young guy, I was really into basketball. I just super into basketball. In fact, so much so that it became an idol in my life. And I'm grateful that God spared me from that. Uh, what do you have that you have not received? And if that's true, why do you boast as if you have not received it? Your gifts, your success in business, all of these things, they are pointers, and they are right to be set upon the tree to remind us. In fact, every gift we have, all these memories, all this protection, all this provision and his lavish blessings, we adorn this tree. It's centered on Jesus. It points to the gospel. And then just family memories. This is a great one. Uh, this is the ornament that we got when we were married in 1999. And uh, our kids love to point this out when people come over. They're always like, look close. My dad's eyes are closed. <laughs> it's a picture of us, me standing there, probably saying, oh, Lord, help me. 
Help me. No, no, no. It was not. It wasn't that. I love these memories. These are, these are right. This, it's more than tradition, isn't it? It's more than tradition. Here's when we got to tour the White House together, and we got to see Bethlehem, and so we got this little ornament. So we're looking back. Here's a Uganda ornament that I got when I was in Uganda to remind me to, to, to thank the Lord for them and pray for them. So there's gratitude and celebration. Gratitude, and so we, these ornaments are moments, mile markers, significant things to, to mark our memory, maybe pictures to, to point us to the past. It's more than memories, though, isn't it? It's worship. It's worship. Don't allow Christmas to be just, just mindless tradition. Well, get the tree out, put the lights on again, hang the ornaments. No, make it worship. Everything there on that tree exists to point you to Jesus, to adore him, to thank him, to love him. We just finished studying Ephesians in Ephesians 5, verse 20, we are to be giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, right? He is a good Father. The greatest gift He's given is in Christ, such that all the other gifts gather around Him. What do we have if we don't have Christ? Everything He gives is to point us to Him in worship and adoration. And then the presence. The presence. It's an amazing thing to consider that we do this. It's perfect. It's right. We love to be generous in giving gifts to those that we love and know because we have been given the greatest gift in Jesus Christ. God has loved us with the most amazing, mind-blowing gift in sending Jesus in this gospel that we celebrate in that tree. And so we adorn the tree with these memories and gratitudes and then this generosity underneath. It's perfect that we put it there under the tree. See the connection? The gift is Jesus. And so we give to point to Him. We give generously so, right? Anticipation. Here's where it comes in, the anticipation work. It's, mu it's much more than merchandise. And as kids, I think we grow up and we, we, we get so easily kind of stuck on this. What do I get at Christmas? And I feel like as you grow and, and, and mature, you begin to delight in what do I get to give at Christmas? It's the echo of his love for us. It's not materialism. It's not about merchandise. At the end of the day, our joy in giving good gifts is to highlight the gift that He has given us in Jesus. But that anticipation, that wrapping paper serves a purpose too. Not just to fill up your garbage can. That wrapping paper serves the purpose of reminding you that there is not just a, a, a look back at Christmas, but a look forward. We're waiting for something. Jesus said this concerning that day or that hour. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor at that point, the son, but only the father. And so he says to those who trust and look to him, be on guard, keep awake, be ready, be on, uh, be on alert, be aware. For you do not know when the time will come. Now, why did he do it that way? 
honestly, he could have said, here's the deal, folks. It's going to be 2028, 20, uh, December 14th at, say, 2.30 p.m. I'm going to return then. You guys be ready. I mean, we could, do, we could work with that, couldn't we? That, we, could, we could make some plans. And, and I feel like there would be uh, something specific that we could point to and say, okay, here we go. Until then, we've, we've got work to do. We're good. No. He said, I'm going to keep it concealed. You won't know when the time will come, but you know it will come. So be ready. Be ready. The call for us is to wait and worship. While we wait, we have work to do, don't we? Reach the ends of the earth. Tell as many people as we can. Tell them about the hope. Tell them Christmas is more than just empty tradition. There's meaning and there's salvation. There's deliverance and His name is Jesus. While we wait with great anticipation, Christmas should leave us not let down at the end, but charged up. Don't fall for the hype and all the merchandising and the sales and the ads and stuff, because then, you know what, December 26th, it's kind of like, oh, well, okay. Now we got a whole other year. No, that shouldn't be our experience, friends. The reality is that Christmas should charge us up with anticipation. He could come this next year. Maybe, maybe this year. There will be peace on earth. That sounds pretty good about now, doesn't it? Hmm. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Oh, I love these verses in 1 Peter 1. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's what we're doing today. This song we sing together with the kids, that's a glimpse of it, but it's like words fail us with this joy, this anticipation. Someday we together are going to behold Him face to face. Right now we don't see Him, but we believe. Right now we, we don't have Him in our, in our midst, but, but we're waiting. And we can't wait. And this joy is real. And it's today. And it's being multiplied Every day, we anticipate His return more and more. So our response today, I just want to draw attention to these words at the end of your Bible. He who testifies to these things says, this is Jesus, He says this, Surely I am coming soon. Oh, man. Now, when you hear those words, How do you respond? Does that just light a fire in your soul? And with John, you say, Amen! Come, Lord Jesus. Come today. I can't wait to see you. I want to see you so badly. Or do you say, I don't, I don't feel anything at all. Or do you say, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready to meet him. There may be some here today who, if they're honest, would say, I don't treasure Jesus as king or Lord. I don't look to him as savior. This doesn't seem like all that great a gift. And I would just tell you again today, look at the gift one more time. 
draw your attention to this precious gift, this Jesus who has lived an obedient life, something none of us can say. He never sinned. That qualified him to pay for my sin, your sin, the sin of all who would trust in him as Savior. He paid it in full on the cross and then to die the death that we deserve. He is a Savior. And friends, He's the only Savior of sinners. He's the only hope to the ends of the earth. There is no other religion. There is no other Savior. They are all a mirage in the desert. Leave you with a mouthful of sand. You need to embrace this King, this risen Jesus. You need to join this place to say, oh, come Lord Jesus. I treasure you today and I wait for you and your return. I would just call you to that today. The box of anticipation. I would encourage you to, to take that box home, maybe write the date on the bottom of it, or I was joking with someone yesterday, maybe write the YouTube link to this sermon on the bottom of there. That would be tricky. You have to be really small. The goal is to allow that box to point your gaze forward at Christmas, not just back to celebrate what he's already done, but anticipate. He's coming. He's coming. Be ready, church. Be ready. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we, we delight in your promises. And we are confident that you are the God who fulfills your word. And we wait, not as those who wait with no hope, but with eager expectation. We can't wait to see our Savior face to face. So we echo John's words, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come today, O oh Lord. Come soon, we pray. We long to see you. We, we want to adore you, not just with our words here that you are clearly receiving and hearing, but we want to adore you with our eyes and see you face to face and worship you and thank you and express our joy and our gratitude for this great salvation forever. We want to be your happy servants and joyfully obey and, and, and take on the assignments that you give us throughout eternity. We want to be your people. Oh, Father, I thank you for this great salvation. Thank you for Christmas time and for the, the wonder of, of the wrapping paper that points us to this mystery that's been revealed in Jesus. And Lord, thank you for the anticipation of days to come, far better days even than this. Days of joy and peace on earth. Oh, Lord Jesus, be honored and glorified in every home here today. I pray that our Christmas trees would draw attention to the gospel, not just to tradition and memory. Lord, we thank you for this precious gift that you've given, and we adore you, and we express our gratitude to you. In Jesus' name we say, amen.